cliffcentral.com. Yes, indeed, it is time for the burning platform. This is uh, our favorite part of the week where we get to dissect and analyze and look into and sometimes just comment like outrageously on things that are going on in the news. And there's always so much to talk about, so this week will be no different. Sometimes the burning platform leads itself onto other platforms after the show where people continue to argue and fight, as Pumi will have demonstrated ably last week. Hey, Pums, I'm not criticizing. I loved it. I just didn't get involved. Listen here. You know what was fascinating for me is how on the show, in the moment, we just weren't getting answers, right? And uh, then two hours after the show, <laughs> keyboard warriors. Mm-hmm. Now you now you suddenly like have everything at your fingertips, and and that's that's all it is for it me. Became, so that- it became a very um, detailed argument about how exactly police authority is devolved between the national police and the provincial police and who's actually in charge and who's responsible for dealing with with things on different levels it comes down to like constitutional stuff and i saw the two of you arguing and i just thought well there are maybe 20 people in the country who actually even understand this argument and i i wasn't one of them so i stayed out it is anyway time for us to start uh, anew this morning with all the things that have been going on in the last week and so much more and we are joined by Solly Mueng of course well known to our listeners and to our viewers, Sully, the founder of Don Valley Reputation Managers, as well as a freelance writer and columnist and someone who's never been afraid to say what he thinks. Sully, it's nice to see you, my friend. How are you? Hang on. I, I muted you. You talk about crushing people before you get you let the guest in. I, I know. I'm sorry about that. No, I did, did it intimidate you at all? Because you're not the kind of person who gets intimidated. No, no. It, doesn't it, get it excites me. <laughs> Good. I'm excited. So, first of all, Solly, um, we've we've got a lot of things on the agenda, but give us a quick update as to uh, to what you've been busy with because I've I've read I get your newsletter. Oh, you do. Oh, I do. okay. I do. Yeah, I, I'm, I keep watching South Africa. You know, I keep thinking that one day we'll do something different, better to become to say to the world, "Aha, uh-huh, you thought you wouldn't make it, but you know, people keep disappointing me. The ANC keeps disappointing me." It's like. I always, I also try to talk about good stories, you know, Gareth mm. and Pumi, because people say, yeah, you tend to be, to be focused on negative things, but you know, I love South Africa. And I think that if we, be, if we pretend that these bad things are not happening, we're going to live in Cuckoo Land. And I don't want to be in Cuckoo Land. Then we're going to end up supporting schmucks. You know, Absolutely. Like no, many no. do. Well, that's why I like your newsletters. I, I like a healthy dose of, of realism, but I do, I do think I'm an optimist as well. And I think all three of us are actually. Yes. Uh, having read plenty of your stuff, having having been with Pumi on this show for years and having known her for years before that too. I think we're all optimists, but we're also realistic. Like there are some things that the South African people are very resilient and we've come through all kinds of stuff and we'll make it through yeah. all kinds of other stuff. But um, yeah. our, our leaders, leaders in inverted commas, have been deeply, deeply disappointing. And I don't think either of you will disagree about that. Oh, what South Africa needs is hot love. Mm. Yeah, I, I bumped into someone yesterday, um, and 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 he's a young black professional who said to me, "Do you really think that uh, that there are a crop of leaders that we can rely on going forward?" And I thought it was such an interesting question. I said to him, "Look, you're asking the wrong guy because I I wouldn't know the first way to either the, the I wouldn't know where to start answering that question." He was asking right. me about people inside the ANC, Julius Malema opposition politicians and he said are any of these people 
the right people to lead us. And I looked at him and I said to him, I don't know, but I actually think you might be better than any of them, having known him for all of five minutes because he sounded like he was more sensible than any of them. Right, right. Yeah, we need to, to to start looking for some of the answers within ourselves. I think we've given too much power to politicians. We've treated them like heroes and heroines over over almost 30 years now. Mm. We've normalized the abnormal in South Africa. It's mm. bad. So, guys, can we jump out of the frying pan into the fire and just get to something which is among the talking points you wanted to raise, Solly, but to me it's something which just keeps raising its ugly head. Pumi, we've discussed it once or twice before, especially in relation to politicians who seem to be stoking these fires. Um, xenophobia. And we see again this week in Alex um, that there are, there are people, they call themselves Operation Dudula, and these guys are going around. And they're basically right. threatening and intimidating foreign nationals. People who, frankly... Whether they are here legally or illegally, they're now part of or should be part of the community. They're providing a service to that community. They're selling goods. They're trying to make a living, trying to support their family. Some of these people come from the most terrible war-torn places, and they are the first to be victimized when the economy is slow, when there aren't enough jobs, when people are dissatisfied with the state of their own communities. There's no service delivery. They take it out on these guys. And... I don't think I'm going to have much of an argument from you two about this. Clearly, that's wrong. But in the long term, are we dealing with this? And do we have a way to deal with this? Or is it just going to become worse and worse for foreign nationals until the point that outright xenophobic attacks start happening and we have people murdered in our streets? Is that where it's going to go? Look, the ANC opened the floodgates long ago, and it's going to be really hard. I, I totally agree with you. There are many people who came here from other parts of the world, especially Africa, or including Africa, who have been here for years, for 15, 20 years. Mm. They've had kids here, and South Africa is home. Their kids only know South Africa is home. Mm -hmm. is home. You can't just chase them away. But what we do need, we do need to normalize uh, population registration. I mean, it's crazy to say people can just walk into South Africa and we don't know who they are, what they're running away from, because not everybody ran away because uh, the, the, the situation is bad back home. Some of them could be fugitives from, for, for criminal offenses they committed elsewhere. Mm. It's important that when people arrive in a country, they are, they, are, they, are, they are registered. They come through the normal channels. They don't pay the officials at the border in order to come in or officials at home affairs to get an ID. I'm not opposed to people being in South Africa. I'm in a foreign country right now. But where I am, I had to go to the, an office to announce myself. to this. this is who I am. I'm here. This is what I do for a living. And they know that I'm here. But in Johannesburg, you don't know who is there. But it's not right to attack people. It's not right to to go after foreigners indiscriminately. Because as you say, many of them create jobs in South Africa. Many of them are good in, yeah. doing awesome things in South Africa. But it, it, you see, the things it's not a black and white thing. The, 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 by saying don't attack foreigners and you shouldn't attack foreigners, we're not saying don't control foreigners or anybody, mm. including us. We are controlled. So the South African authorities know mm. who I am. There's a yeah. birth uh, registration form. Why can't there be the same thing for foreigners coming to South Africa, irrespective of where they come from? Yeah. Pumi, I mean, this is something you've brought up before, and, and we've spoken about how politicians like Herman Mashaba and Julius Malema have been stirring this pot for their own political purposes. And you see, what, what we're also seeing is we're seeing a level of populism kind of growing on, on the ground. 
as it were. So the, the guys who started this thing, they call it Operation Tudula, and sad to say it started in my township. Um, so it's a- and, and, and that particular boy um, who's, who, who is the big mouthpiece for it is also the guy, I think you, you would remember when the, the July riots happened, he was one of the people who hmm. kind of formed a guard around Maponya Mall. Mm. Yeah. So that boy is the person who who is now emerged as kind of the the main voice mouthpiece for this operation to do which is what they're calling it in Soweto. And he, interestingly and strangely enough, when what happened in Alex and in Alex they're calling it something Operation Fiela or something. Um, the first thing he did was he came out to say, those people are not part of us. We don't know what those people are up to. But more than anything, what you what it shows is a, a complete collapse and failure of state policing. Because this is criminal, right? If you decide, Gareth, that you don't like a particular person or you don't like a particular business, you do not have the right to walk into that business, destroy that business, or hit and scream and shout at the people or you don't know or, or, or even walk in like Julius Malema did and start asking yeah. which Absolutely. waiters are from South Africa and which ones are from Zimbabwe but you know guys you both have indicated something which makes it very difficult for us to be principled about this and Sully I appreciate that you're saying you know be a legal immigrant but the fact is we don't make it very easy for people to comply with the law it's almost easier in South Africa for you to not comply with the law because so much of the state apparatus, including policing, is destroyed. It's useless. It's defunct. It doesn't, it doesn't do what yes. it's meant to do. And this is government's fault. So while we are well within our rights to blame illegal immigrants for not having gone through the due processes that you yourself have Absolutely. to go through for being in the country you're in right now, Sonny, and, and Pumi and I are law-abiding citizens and we fill in our forms and we get our licenses and we do all the things that we're meant to do, it seems you almost are punished for going with the law and you are excused for breaking it and this is government's fault so let's start with them if they if they don't have the systems to make these things work or the police to be able to stop people from breaking the law then it's all a fiction anyway yeah look gareth i started by saying the anc opened the floodgate Mm. gates long ago and something I always repeat that I've been holding myself not to say now is that the solutions that South Africa needs in order to become the country it must be will not be found while the ANC governs or, or, or lords it over the affairs of South Africa. That's a problem because the, the changes that are needed are systemic changes over time. It's not just getting Pumi or Gareth to become president, the next president, and it will not take the mandate of one political power or party, whatever formation it's going to be, that takes over from the ANC. It's going to take two, three, four mandates to systemically, because they've over the years the ANC has inserted people throughout the system yeah. in South Africa. And they've also allowed people to think that the world owes them something. And that's a problem. So yeah. so people can just do whatever they want. If the people at the top don't respect the law also, the people at the, at the bottom don't, don't see why they should respect the law. So under the ANC, the ANC has lost the moral high ground long ago. Mm-hmm. It's going to be time for anybody coming in with the mantle of the ANC to say to South Africa, okay, now this is how it's going to run. It's too late. Yeah, I mean, here's... You know, Patrick's also added this in because we mentioned the obvious suspects. But don't forget that clown Gaten McKenzie and the PA for checking for expired foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
There are lots of people who are spreading. It's always, it's, this happens in countries all over the world. South Africa is not unique here. But xenophobia seems to be, or any kind of scapegoating seems to be the last resort. The last resort of a population who are so desperate and have lost such hope that they start mm-hmm. to turn on the weakest and most vulnerable among us. That's yeah. always so what that, happens. So, you know, Gareth, the other thing is, you know, I, I always talk in terms of brands. South Africa is a country, is a country of the destination brand. All brands are led, okay? Hmm. The person at the top of the brand must be very clear. They must lead by tone. They must lead by example. They must be clear about what, what the country stands for. South Africa does not have a president who is unambiguous on a lot of things, and that is a problem. So he doesn't, he's, he, he likes to like, okay, say something and, and, and he's, it's almost like he's looking over his shoulder to make sure that in case they throw the, a tomato on him on this side, he'll, he'll, he has another side to well, go on to. I he mean, to be clear. The case, case in point is, is the way that we've responded to the Russia Ukraine situation. We, we, we seem to be exactly. trying to walk a tightrope between both of them, trying to look like good people to both sides, where it is yeah. clear that there are many people in our government, including Minister Fia Fokol, uh, who's currently touring, uh, telling us that he's landed in Russia and he's landed in Ukraine, which, I mean, haven't those people suffered enough that they now have to put up with Fikil Mbalula as well? But you see that in the, in the foreign policy, when, you know, Naledi Pandor has to withdraw her statements about being against Russian aggression in Ukraine, which seems to me to be a universal uh, point of view uh, where, where, you know, Vladimir Putin is, is seen across the, the board as being the, the aggressor. Uh, no, right. suddenly she has to retract her statement because the ANC inside no longer has the, ma- the machinery to be able to make cogent, pointed policy or, or position statements. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know what the ANC owes to whom. That's a problem. The minute you become indebted to somebody, they start owning <laughs> that's, you. That's right? So you, can, right. you can't say the things that you need to say because the backbone is gone. There's no backbone inside. Look, we can stay, spend the whole hour talking about the many instances when the ANC lost it, okay, when it could have stood firm and said, this is what we stand for in South Africa. But it didn't because because it has to keep looking over its shoulder, looking, looking into its pocket. Who's giving it money? giving it money. From the time it refused a visa to the Dalai Lama, yeah. things would begin to derail. Yeah. Pums? You know, the, the yeah. Chinese... Oh, sorry. The Chinese tried to say to stop Mandela from receiving the Dalai Lama in South Africa. He said, no, go to hell. I remember that. Okay. And, and remember, the U.S. The US yeah. tried to stop him from inviting his friends, Muammar Gaddafi and yeah. uh, uh, Yasser Arafat, exactly. and he said, go to hell. And we still had the ability to, to do that once, and then it exactly. all just went away. And I remember, you remember Archbishop Desmond Tutu saying, this is my friend. I expect that yeah. uh, my government will allow him to come and visit. Yeah. But by then, yeah. we were already receiving marching orders from China. Yeah. But do you also, one more thing, do you remember when the Salamica abstained from a United Nations vote to protect the rights of LGBTIQ plus mm-hmm. communities? Yep. Following that vote, the media was like, wait, wait, wait a minute, we protecting these rights are enshrined in our constitution in South Africa. What the hell? Why did you guys abstain? The minister, the, the lady with the hole in her head at the time, she was Minister of Foreign Affairs or whatever they call it these days, she said, we South Africans cannot afford to be seen walking too far ahead of our African peers. The African peers who murder and jailed gays and lesbians, we, we should have stood up and said, guys, this is how it runs, okay? These, when we defended al-Bashir in South Africa, same thing, too many instances. So we don't, the world doesn't know what we stand for. We stand for crooks. We stand with crooks. Okay, actually, we led by the ANC, misled by the ANC, stand with crooks. Mm-hmm. Putin is a murderer.
and and one of the things and i know Soli, you wanted to talk about this as well is it then leads to and it, it almost feels like everything that's happening in the ANC sucks the rest of the country into it, right? And, mm -hmm. and we spoke with Leto when he was on the show after uh, President Tabumeki was in the Free State mm -hmm. talking about how the ANC, uh, it, it's a, the failure of the ANC does not bode well for South Africa. And I call bullshit, right? I think even as we're watching them going into the their elective conference mm. later this year mm. is the the ANC is no longer a dying organization. It is actually a dead and decaying organization. And I think that it is it would behove well for all South Africans yes. to look inside themselves mm. for what what the answer is yes. and look for a a, a post ANC post-liberation yeah. South Africa and what roles we have to play in it. What what, is, what does that world look like? The sooner South Africans come to the realization and the reality that this is where we are headed yeah. and and stop looking to, to the past and stop looking back towards an, an ANC that was moral, an ANC that had a moral high ground. And that is for me a conversation for a whole other day of whether the ANC actually ever had that or the ANC that we we have in our heads is, right. is some kind of fantasy ANC that, that was never a reality. It was, the organization was never what we wanted to be. It was never Nelson Mandela. He was not the ANC, nor was the ANC, nor does the ANC have the DNA of a Nelson Mandela. So yeah, it's, it's painful. You know what? I describe the ANC as an old power station that has reached the, at the point where it must be decommissioned. End of life. What it, <laughs> end of life. This is where it needs to be decommissioned. All right? There's no way that the ANC is going to give South Africa solutions. And the thing is, in whether you are in a personal relationship, in whatever kind of relationships, we are in a relationship with, with the ANC, we have to determine our own value as South Africans until we stand up and say, no, this is what we want to stand for the NC will keep telling us what we stand for. So whenever it makes crazy decisions, it gives money to Cuba, Even it doesn't even ask us whether we should be giving money to Cuba, how much, all these things that are happening. The NC thinks it's doing it in the, on the, in the name of South African people. And it's not because it doesn't represent us anymore. It represents itself. And South Africans need to say, no, okay, now, wait a minute. We don't want this anymore. This is who we are. We need to unite. As long as we remain... Uh, disunited. Can you say disunited mm. <laughs> in yeah. English? Mm -hmm. <laughs> on, or whether it's on racial or political uh, platforms, the ANC will play with those divisions. We need to, of course, we'll always be divided. There's no country where people are homogenous in their thinking and their perspectives of life. That's okay. But we as South Africans, this to say, this is South Africa we want, that we signed up for, that we want to make, uh, to, to, whose potential we want to see realized. But it cannot happen while we keep thinking that the ANC will lead us to that South Africa, because it won't. And it's taken us a, a while and it's cost us a lot to get to the point yeah. where we've realized that we have an abusive parent in the ANC. So that yeah. it's almost like like if you know if anyone found a, a a time capsule in the future of this show and they listen to this they'd go wow the, you know why why did it take them so long to to realize that that they were being mistreated and mishandled and abused like this the people of South Africa but the fact is I saw a 
So a couple of news stories, and credit to ENCA for this, because I don't watch the news often, but I saw they went to about four municipalities over the course of one news bulletin, two in the northwest, um, one in the Western Cape, one in Gauteng, I think, and they showed sewerage going down the streets, you know, all the things that we're used to seeing, but they, they focused right. on the... Of course, none of the people who are actually in charge of those municipalities would make themselves available to answer a single question. Uh, all the municipalities in question were also bankrupt or in huge financial distress because money's been stolen. And I thought, you know what? These are the people, those people who live in those, in those places and all of us who didn't have electricity last night, for example, and yeah. all the rest. We are paying the yeah. price for putting our trust in the wrong people. And, and I, I don't want us to carry on about this for too long, but it does seem that we need a psychological come down from like anyone who's been in abusive relationships, yes. you, you need yes. to be you need to be counseled out of it. And we have to now do that to ourselves because no one's going to counsel us. We've got to figure it out ourselves. Let's look yeah. at some practical things. Um, and this seems like a dead horse, but we've got to keep beating it until it eventually either gets up or, we can get the death certificate. The NPA, what's happening with the NPA? I mean, does anyone have any answers? Sully, you watch this. These days, when I, when I listen to Patohi speak, but be speaking in public, it's almost like she's one of the ANC cadres who've been deployed there. She, she is. Like a, she, is. She, she's making excuses after excuses after excuses. There's so much information that has been put out there by investigative journalists, by you now even the Ozono Commission. She's mm. always finding a way to say, but it's not good enough. It's not good enough. But what is good enough? What has she done? She hasn't done anything. I mean, this lady, I don't know, is she, is she only fine for 10 year term? Oh. She needs to go. Now. But the, but the thing is, even if she goes, but the, the, the pen thing, and like I said, Ed, we won't find the solutions when the ANC is in power. Once she goes, they're going to find somebody else who looks like her. Hopefully, it'll be a Tulima Doncella style person who will turn around and say, wait a minute, that's not right. But so far, we are not lucky. No. <laughs> well, Sully, you are a person that, that works with reputations and building reputations and rebuilding reputations. In your view, in your professional um uh, opinion, the NPA today, what does it need to do to to fix its reputation and be able to to kind of emerge from? And we know we know what happened at the NPA. We know what over the past. And and look, we're not going to be able to to look back and say in twenty four months this is. <laughs> this is this is what you can do to undo ten right. years, right. ten years of of kind of systemic breaking down of an organization. Mm. But having worked with rebuilding the reputation of people and organizations, what is it that you believe the NPA should be doing today to start that turnaround? Look, the people of South Africa generally are looking for justice. There was state capture on all other forms of abuses and corruption have taken place. People want to see those who've been named implicated at least being prosecuted, whether they get you know, they are innocent or not after it's a different matter. They want to see people in the court. The job, the mandate of the NPA is to prepare dockets to charge people to put them in front of our court system. And it's not doing that. Until it gets begins to do that, to deliver on the basics of its mandate, it will not have a reputation revival. It's not going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the reputation management thing, <laughs> sometimes even the, even the greatest spin doctors, I mean, didn't Bell Pottinger try to help them rehabilitate their personality or at least distract us long enough that they could, they could be stealing? I know they're not you, in the business you're in. I know, Sully. You, you had me. You had me so much. <laughs> yeah, no, they're evil spin doctors, and we know that. They've had to, they've had to shut down their, their, their business. But um, this, this war in Ukraine and Russia, is, it seems to be all over the news all the time. Obviously, the, the news agencies are thrilled because it might actually get them some viewers and some readers and some listeners again. But it seems to me that this is something that actually affects South Africa at a great distance. I mean, Muzi right. Kuzwayo wrote a, an interesting thing about how the Ukraine and Russia thing could change everything, especially for Africa, which I thought was an interesting insight. Perhaps you guys share that point of view. But I also saw Yuval Noah Harari talking about it, saying... This is actually a bit of a critical juncture for the world because what it really is, is authoritarianism, war, going back in time versus yep. saving liberal democracy and all the things that we now take for granted in society. Correct. Uh, what do you think that is? What do you think the significance of Russia-Ukraine is? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, for me, it started with Donald Trump's kind of, I know you kind of like him, <laughs> mm -hmm. but when you have the kind of leaders who think it's all about themselves and not about the people, and you have all these schmucks running amok in Africa as presidents yeah. and primaries and all, they look at those things, those bad things happening in Russia and places like this and say, uh-huh, if they can do it, why can't we do it here? So it justifies wrong in Africa. That's the part that, that, that scares me the most. There's no moral high ground anymore in the world in terms of leadership. Well, there's very little we have to like look at and not, not two famous presidents and prime ministers out there. But the fact right. is when, when we run out of people to look up to, to say those are the, those are the, that's the kind of leadership we should be emulating. And when all of that goes away, the schmucks in Africa think, aha, uh -huh, you see, you think that you, you keep judging us, we keep telling us we are wrong. Look, it's happening in America, it's happening in Russia, it's happening anywhere. But people forget that Putin, forget Ukraine, that man, kills people who disagrees with him. He mm -hmm. gets them poisoned. He gets them imprisoned. Right now, as we speak, there are dissidents in Russia in, in prison, because not because they committed a crime, but because they disagreed with him. Okay, now, if there's a guy you want to, to, to defend, there's a big, big problem. And that Africans will, some African leaders who, who are ensconced in power, who don't want to leave, mm -hmm. will say, but yeah, that's how you, you, you run a country. You know, we... Uh, had here at the office a, I think for a week after the invasion of Ukraine, almost on a daily basis, we had very heated debates about Russia, about Ukraine, about the East, about the West, about the pool between the two. And the, the way I describe it for me is there is an irrational hatred between Russia and the West. It's, it's irrational. Yeah, so totally. if you start from that position that says right. there is no way that you, that you're going to be able to put any kind of reasoning to what's going on there. So what, mm. what it is that fuels mm. Putin and, and r realistically speaking, it's not just Putin, right? So it's, it's Putin and an entire machinery behind him of warmongers of mm -hmm. that. Like Russia does. Russia has 195 military academies. <laughs> they, they sure. like, sure. just, I understand the scale at which war is a big part right. of 
of the of who they are. So even as the West has sanctions on Putin, empathizes on his cronies, on and to what end? What is the hope? Mm. Their hope is that they can foment, yeah. which is what sanctions do, is that they can foment some kind of of internal strife that will overthrow Putin. And I'm saying once they have overthrown Putin, There'll who's there? Yeah. Right? There'll who's there warlord. to come in yeah. after? Did they not learn this lesson in Iraq? Did they not learn this lesson Libya. in Libya? Yeah. Did they not learn this lesson? So it, they, they just stuck, stuck in the cycle that the, the West tries this, the, then Russia does this, Russia does this, and the West does this. And this is why it, it kind of creates the setting for a shift in the world that then looks outside of the circle. Because the West is not going to, the West is not going to come out strong in this environment because they are already weakened. But and you know, can I come out strong? So the answer is going to be left of center, right? That's where it's going to be. It's going to be left of center. It's going to come from the Middle East. Uh, well, you know, I just need to, if you remember during the other Cold War, because apparently there are people in Russia who think the, the Cold War never ended. Anyway, what are these people, what are people talking about? During the Cold War, the the whole world was pretty much divided into pro-Russia or pro-communist. Sure. That's where the whole that's where the whole t- term first, second, and third world came from. Exactly, and 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 the things what worries me is that Africa is constantly, perennially unable to define its own positions. Okay, the thing I'm going to keep talking about Africa as if it's one, but we have the African Union, or the so-called African Union. I don't know why they do those guys. <laughs> you know, no. but we need to say, irrespective of what happens out there, these are the interests of Africa. But Africa cannot do that when it constantly needs Russia and China to pump money into it. People don't give you money for nothing, okay? They tell you how you're going to stand, how you go to, how you're going to vote on important matters at the United Nations, what, what stance you're going to take on matters like this, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So Africa needs to get to a point where it increases its self-reliance on a lot more things than, than it currently has so that it can stand up shoulder to shoulder with anybody and say, you guys are fighting. That's not our business. This is what we stand for. But right now we're not able to do that. And that's a problem. Can I scratch at an itch, Pumi, that you, you kind of alluded to just now? And it's maybe something that, Sully, you want to hop into as well, though it's going to be hot water. There's been a, a, a kind of a malaise that's set in across much of the world because we haven't really had major conflicts. You know, the, the exceptions being the Middle East, the exceptions being Rwanda for a while and the Balkans for a little while in the 90s. But really, we haven't had a global war or any kind of... Uh, desperate kind of live or die situation for many of the countries, especially in the Western world. It's become quite right. pleasant to live on planet Earth for humans in the last hundred years, or let's say certainly the last 60 or 70 years. The, yeah. the reason I bring this up is that it seems we kind of forgot that there is still, or maybe we chose to believe that we'd moved on from strongman politics, this idea of these warmongering men, these these warrior leaders who've kind of, they've, they've been the ones who've, whether, whether it's been good or bad, you can argue either way, it's pushed history ahead. And these warmongers, these strong men, these aggressive, you know, territorially ambitious, uh, sometimes narcissistic and egotistic, egomaniacal men who have pushed the world into conflict after conflict after conflict, which only really we've just had a gap for the last bit of living memory 50 years 50 years have have we have we misread human nature 
and now we're suddenly getting a wake-up call because this is unexpected for many of us. And Pumi and I, you were, you were joking, Pums, about how this seems to be taking us backwards when so much other stuff about modern living is taking us forward. Have, have, we, read, have we read it wrong? No, I don't think, maybe we've become complacent, but I don't think we've misread uh, human nature. That's why we need systems, you know. You might not like Barack Obama. When, when he went to Ghana soon after he was first elected president, he said, he was talking about Africa, he said, what Africa needs are not strong men. What Africa needs are strong institutions. But of course, we know we have strong institutions in South Africa. If you put schmucks at the top of strong institutions, they become what they are. Look at the NPA. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, but the point I'm making is, we do need a world where there is a level of predictability. I know that strong men and all those the kind of people that you described have almost propelled, you know, the redefining of world relations. I think Russia, the Russian war with the Ukraine is going to redefine how NATO stands vis-a-vis. Uh, -vis maybe I, I don't, I don't think that the West has an appetite for war. They will not no. go into war unless, unless Russia goes into Latvia or Estonia or any, or, or any of the NATO members, then NATO cannot afford not to do anything to defend them because that's this raison d'être. Right. Right. But 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 we do need, you know, a sense of justice. We do need a sense of where rights are respected, women rights, women's rights, children's rights. We cannot afford to return to a world where a man comes in and says this is how it's going to run. Then, then we might as well uh, allow Julius Malema to Malema to become president of South Africa. And then you'll see you'll see that it can really be nasty. We don't want that anymore. But this that thing we have, a nation human nature has it. There are people like that. Do we, can we propel humanity forward without having to kill millions? Is there another way? That we've got to find another way. Pumi, what do you think? We, we, the, the optimist in me says we do have to find another way, but the realist in me says it will take a very long time before we do. What we're talking about, Gareth, you say a large-scale war that has involved the entire world. But actually, if you if we if we look at the at the globe and where conflict is at the globe, Syria, mm. Yemen, mm. <laughs> this has been going on mm. for years and years and years, <laughs> simmering in the background. And you know what you see now, because the world is trained and a lot of people were very facetious about the covering of it uh, a week ago because the world for such a long time has been trained on this Western view of what is happening and therefore the world. So suddenly the refugees coming out of the Ukraine, oh my goodness, we've got to leave prams and food out for them and we've got to like yeah. get them, you know, get them on the trains and the way that African refugees or Middle Eastern refugees are treated is not the same. You know, did you yep. ever think True. that America would be calling on Venezuela? Venezuela for oil, <laughs> for oil yeah. and yet here we are. <laughs> you know, so those those shifts in in world politics are where we are, and that's why I say to you. And this this again, if any if any of you want to see the article that Muzi wrote, it was in the Sunday Times last week. Mm. And where the world is is exactly where the world was at the time of the Renaissance, right? They'd had a, very, a big plague. They'd just come out of a big plague. They'd just come out of an incredible kind of warmongering, Far East coming into Europe, right? Mm. The, and, and so we are there now. The technological 
uh, innovations that we see happening in the world, whether it's just social media or kind of things like Waze and all of that kind of stuff coming out of Israel, the Abraham Accords, a big shift in the way that the world is organizing itself. And this morning we wake up to the news that actually the Ukraine is now putting together a, a document, a non-NATO-led document about how they are not going to join NATO, mm -hmm. which is what Putin has been fighting about, right? This could have been done months ago yeah. without bloodshed, without bloodshed. This could yeah. have been done then, and yet I mean, I mean, we, so we, all, the, we also don't, we don't know, we don't know the extent to which Vladimir Putin's support actually goes down in Russia. I mean, the average Russian may be completely opposed to this idea. It is their sons, after all, that are having to don uniform and go into the Ukraine um, at his behest. For all we know, it's just purely his, uh, his decision. And maybe it was just his decision. And there could be all kinds of reasons for that. And people will speculate in the future what those reasons might have been. But this could, but have, I think it's this too could have been avoided. It, no, it's too convenient to say Putin. You know, it's yeah, too yeah. convenient to have one bogeyman. Right. And, and yeah, that's the, naive. You're right. The point that I'm trying to say is that it is not just Putin. So even as you take Putin out of the equation, hmm. how, <laughs> how sure are we that even if Putin were assassinated today, how sure are we? that this irrational hatred that that Russia Russia seems to have mm -hmm. for the West is going to be taken away. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, you could say you could have said the same thing about South Africa. It's not Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, take, you take him out and what happens. The thing is, Putin represents a certain Russia. Okay, well, nobody can deny that. Mm -hmm. Putin it represents a nostalgic Russia. Russia that looks back at the old Soviet Union and that continues to be heard, and especially older people who continue to be heard at the loss of empire. All right, and he promises them that. I've been to Russia three times, okay, twice, and people like to say this man makes us makes young men feel proud again to go to war, to be soldiers, to stand for Russia. So there's this strong nationalism. Of course, if he dies, maybe another person will come up, but they might be a, a different person who engages differently with the world. All brands are led. Boris Yeltsin came and danced and drank vodka. <laughs> we almost like didn't take anything seriously. No, we didn't. Remember him. <laughs> Yes, because he was losing his mind. But anyway. <laughs> and, then, and then Putin came, he's a serious man, he smiles very rarely, but he represents a certain Russia. The question is, which one of the two Russias, the one that wants to engage with the world a, little, a, a bit more positively, that's not paranoid, or the one that, that, that Putin represents that says those people want, the, want to destroy us. That's why they want. They're out to destroy us. And he believes it. He's an, a former KGB person. There's no way that you can take that out of him. But so, we cannot, yeah. Sonny, so, okay. One of the things that, that we've also seen over the past two weeks, right, is as, as, as America then withdraws all, all of the various as the sanctions come in, right? So now no visa, no right. MasterCard, now people right. can transact. And right. immediately Russia looks to China and says China has a yep. you know, China has a, a, a similar transactionary method. This is right. what we are now going to use, right? right. So right. so now China and Russia and very likely India, right? Mm -hmm. Almost a third of the world's population in those three countries. Mm -hmm are now forced 
into a space where they have to trade with each other, where they have to work with each other, and where they have to find a way of existing outside of what has predominantly been kind of a Western way of doing things. Again, I'm going to ask your professional opinion as a reputation specialist, right? How likely is it that when all of this dust settles, Visa and MasterCard are going to be able to come back into Russia and be accepted by the Russian people after the chaos that they caused them by withdrawing? Well, it's not, it's not impossible. Look, I don't think that all of the trade that Russia might get out of China or, or, or India or China and India will replace, will replace all of the trade that Russia is getting from the West and other parts of the world. It's not going to happen. It's never, it'll never be enough. And all of those three countries need the rest of the world. It's not just a matter of the size of their populations because you may have three, 1.2 billion people or so people in, in India. It doesn't mean all of them can afford to buy Maseratis and all the luxury goods. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I, we will get to it. Punitive measures like sanctions are not meant to last forever. All right. I think there will come a time when, and many Russians are not happy. I don't know how many, but many Russians are not happy with, with what's going because they have interests outside of Russia that they want to maintain. All right. So those brands who are leaving now will at some point come back. Obviously coming back, then you explain, you explain why we're coming back into this space, but they will return and they will be accepted. I don't think that the, all of the Russian people will say, yeah, but you walked away from us when we were busy slaughtering Ukrainians. Don't come back here. It's not going to happen. This is how these brands walk away from other brands and they come back. And I think what what tectonic shifts in the world look like is they look like a necessity that has to be overcome. And the necessity that has to be overcome now for the Russians, for the Chinese, is an imperialistic America that seems to be the, the tail wagging the dog when it comes to NATO and how NATO responds. And the conversations that are being had, and again, the disintermediation of media, where you're not just getting your information from a single source that can be controlled mm -hmm. at a particular level, where there are many people on the ground sending out videos, sending out their tweets, sending out their YouTube links, all of that. What it creates is it creates it, it creates a rift right. that allows opportunity that allows opportunity and more and more at the moment a lot of countries may depend on the west but what i'm saying to you is that the the reliance on the west is becoming eroded by the experience that people are having of the west people are asking themselves oh my god if we're all moving on to apple pay and america can just decide to shut down apple pay oh do, is this really what I want to get into? Yeah, so yeah, more people yeah. are now starting to I, say, I, maybe I need to be looking at cryptocurrencies. Sure. So that I'm, but now, I'm, but now, I'm but now Joe Biden's even trying to regulate cryptocurrencies, which frankly I think is an outrage. I mean, you know, Justin Trudeau did this thing where he seized the assets of people who were donating to the trucker convoy. And that to me was the first sign that these guys, um, even Canada, you know, one of the most milk toast places on earth, if they right. would behave like autocratic dictators and shut down people's channels for income or channels for sustenance, then you know you're in a dangerous situation. How much of this is to be put at the feet? Because it's convenient in some ways for him. But how much of this can be laid at the feet of Joe Biden? You know, he finally decided uh, two days ago, I think 
ultimately what many people were saying he should have done from the beginning and, and, and basically decided America is not going to import any more Russian oil. But he did say by the end of 2022, which may be too late. I mean, that gives, uh, you know, that gives Vladimir Putin a lot of income for the next couple of months straight out of the U.S. So they are funding his war in some way. How much of this is Joe Biden's fault? And how much are we seeing the decline and fall of the American empire that Pumi referred to just a second ago? Well, there's no doubt that there are changes happening. There's a, a, a global realignment that's happening. By the time this thing ends, things, certain things are going to function differently. But it doesn't mean that America will no longer exist in terms of the, the influence that it has. It will influence maybe some of the world, but not all of the world. And America is aligned with NATO, with Western Europe. The, the, there are still forces to be, to, to reckon with. I mean, okay, we, we've seen, um, what, uh, Germany now, which, which, which announced to the whole world uh, uh, on, t- on tabletops and rooftops to say it's, it's not going to nuclear anymore. It's, it's going to rely on natural gases and all that. Now they're turning around to say maybe we made a mistake there, but they will find other sources. There will be relationships with Russia. There will be relationships with the world. There will be different relationships. We don't know what kind of relationships because the, the sense are still, are still I have not settled yet, you know, so let's, or the dust has not settled. So let's see what happens, what the world is going to look like. Can we blame everything on on, on, on Biden? I don't think so. I mean, the Russia, Putin's anger with the West started long ago. Mm. Maybe there are certain things that Biden could have done to, but he cannot on his own, because it's not just about America, it's about the West, it's about NATO. I think this thing is a whole, it's about interest, really. At the end of it, it's about interest. Of course, NATO, the security, there are security issues, there are, there are economic, financial, uh, issues as well. Uh, NATO wants to be as close to, as possible to Russia, but it wants to embrace those guys who were part of the Soviet Union. And obviously, Russia is not, is not happy with that. Uh, will rest, will NATO then announce, well, are they going to be the next one to say, okay, that's fine, fine, fine. We're not going to go this far beyond a certain line. But, but, the world will continue. People are going to lose lives, jobs. Like we've had COVID nineteen now, but some of us are going to survive. We, you, the three of us are still here post COVID. How many people have died of COVID? The world is is now doing things differently. Look at this interview and many other things that we do online. Because, but there will be a, a realignment. It's not possible that after this war things will stay the same. But we can't blame it on one factor. It's a mouthful, but I, I kind of largely agree with you. Is it inevitable? And is China playing the best long game here of all? Because this opens the door for them to uh, make moves on, on Taiwan, which has been long yeah. suggested as the ultimate goal in the short term for them. In the long term, to establish their own kind of new Eastern hegemony. Um, are, are these things inevitable? Pumi, what do you think? You know, so Sally said interests, and I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, it's not my quote, Um, it's actually from one of the civil rights leaders, that there are no permanent enemies, Mm. and there are no permanent friends in politics, only permanent interests. (laughs) So as long as we understand that the only thing that is permanent is going to be interests in this experience when the dust settles the interests of the various players are what is going to remain so you talk about china and their interest in taiwan very possible that they're going to make a move for it we talk about joe biden saying we're not going to be importing russian oil anymore but his interest and the the thirst of america 
for oil has led him to what used to be an enemy. But again, because there are no permanent enemies, now they yeah. are talking to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of sending their oh. money to Russia, they're going to be sending their money to Venezuela. You know, yeah. so NATO, <laughs> even the Ukraine, you see the Ukraine, who has been wanting to join NATO because of where they are and where their interest is in self-preservation, they have decided that they're going to put together a document that says we will never join NATO. Yeah. So it's Look, going to be about interest. I absolutely. It's always about interest. I think that um, I, I do agree that China, you know, Hong Kong was a test case for China to see how the world is going to react. When China goes for Taiwan, and I, I agree with you, it's not, it's not evitable that it will go for, 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 for Taiwan. The world is not going to do anything because China's military mm-hmm. might is so huge. Nobody wants to go face to face with China on the, uh, militarily. The West has no appetite for that, as I said. And, and again, I just one more point I want to raise is when the, 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 that journalist was Kishok, Kishok, Kishok was killed by the Saudis and, you mm-hmm. know, in that terrible way. And America looked the other way. It was also interesting. Mm. It was also the interest of America in Saudi Arabia. They're like, are we, are we going to lose this relationship because of this one person? Especially given that the, the person who's highly implicated in this is a top guy. The next future, this guy, this young prince now is going to be the next leader of, of Saudi Arabia unless something happens to him mm-hmm. over the next 30, 50 years. And they don't want to go head to head with that. It's because their interests don't align with fighting for human rights. But what the rest of the world is looking at is they are looking at it, what an unreliable friend America seems to be. Mm. Yeah. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing America as an unreliable friend. If you look at the chaotic way in which they left Afghanistan, if you look at the chaos that they left behind, yeah. in, you know, in everywhere where they've been, the chaos they leave behind. People are asking themselves, do you want this guy on your co- in your side? No. In your corner? Yes, exactly. They, they've, let just, down, they've let down all of their allies. They are no longer a trustworthy partner to have in the world. America's credibility as a partner is dashed. Yeah. And yeah. You know, up to not so long ago, it was very, very powerful. It was still the best argument to be aligned with that part of the world. A Canadian friend of mine used to describe America as a moving target. When you point out to something bad they're doing, somebody else will show you something good they're doing. But it's true that America has lost its moral high ground long ago. It's really hard for them to stand up to say to the world, this is how it's going to run, because there's always going to be somebody who will say, aha, you say this is how it's going to run. What about Iraq? What about Afghanistan? What about this? And what about that? And that's the same thing. And since we know that nothing hates a vacuum more than politics, mm-hmm. <laughs> where there's a vacuum, some someone, some new power is going to step into that True. vacuum. I want and another one more thing. A diplomat friend of mine likes to say that countries have to decide. You know, if you have a, a one of those uh, looking glass, uh, is it uh, a te- telescope? The one that a you telescope, see, or, a telescope or binoculars? Well, a telescope. So countries have to decide whether they look at the world. So the one side of the telescope has the the the, the values of the country, the the, the the yeah, the basic values. The other one is the interest. Now, do you look at the world from the perspective of your interests alone, or do you look at the world from the perspectives of a value values? In other words, when people do wrong and it doesn't, even though your interests are are, are would be protected or enhanced by what they're doing, even if it's wrong, do you say, but our values don't allow that, or do you say, you know what? 
dump the values here, the interests are more important. And I think that's a challenge of many countries. When do you turn your telescope around to look at the world in terms of values? When do you turn it around to look at in terms of, in terms of your interests alone? Guys, uh, just to bring it home for a second, because a lot of people are asking this question. Cyril was meant to address us last night. Did anybody watch that? Because I don't even know if there was an address. Uh, anybody? Really? I don't know. I heard something. Someone said to me he was going to address us last night. I didn't watch. I, I'm, I wasn't. I didn't set a reminder or anything because you need to for him. And if he is going to suggest, I had no power. Isn't it time for him to? Yeah, exactly. That's probably why he didn't do it because he knew no one would be watching because we can't. Um, but isn't it time for him to announce an end to this state of disaster and to just put away the masks? Every other country in the world is pretty much doing that already. Why are we so far behind? The, what are we doing? Where, in this country where I live, three weeks ago, no masks, mm-hmm. no, no, no checking whether people have been vaccinated. And it's, we, we'll be back to normal, you know, and it, people who wear masks are individuals who decide, oh, no, no, I still want to protect myself. But the world has not come to an end. We don't wear masks anymore here. I think South Africa should get to a point where they say, well, look, <sighs> you know, people must take personal responsibilities. You know what this thing can do. You know what is done in the past if it's this thing. Uh, but now we're not going to restrict people from doing business anymore, um, from traveling, from doing the things they need to do. I think we, we as people now need to adopt the we need to take the, the, the initiative. We should remove our masks and only put them on if asked to. Our default position should be everywhere in the world. They have now realized this was a stupid farce in the first place. It is time now for if I walk into a shop, unless I'm asked, I will not put it on. It will be in my pocket, yeah. but I don't see any danger to anyone else. It's time to rid ourselves of this fashion accessory, which we've been – Carrying around for no good reason. For the, I mean, every doctor that there is, including Fauci now, has come out with this revised opinion that now all we've been doing is putting on a bit of theater. So it's time to give it up. And, and if the president won't make that decision because he can't make any decisions, then we'll start doing it ourselves. And until someone asks me to put it on, I'm going to keep it off. Yeah, I, I think again for the kind of changes that have to have to happen in South Africa, South Africans have to stand up to, together. Where I am now, people said it's enough. We don't want these things. They, there was a lot of strong civil society voice that yeah. said we don't want these things anymore. But in South Africa, we we we, we sorry, am I allowed to say bitch about mm, it? Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry, oops. Okay, yeah, we bitch about it on social media. We, but we don't go into the streets and hold hands and say stop. The ain't we've seen it in the past when South Africans get together and the ANC fears that. And in one voice, they say to the ANC, this far, no further. The ANC will pull back. Any closing statements from you, Pumi? I, I love what Sully is saying. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of civil society taking action, whether it is in showing up to vote or whether it is in joining an organization or simply just in your little corner of the world, organizing and helping and changing your little corner of the world. But that's that really is what it's about. It's about all the individuals coming together and saying, this is what we want and this is how we want it to be for the government. You know, if so if organizing is what it is, organizing is what it is. But it's it's up to the it's up to the citizens of the country to make the country go where they want it to go. It's not the leaders. It's not the leaders of the country. Mm. It is the citizens that tell those people what they want and what they need. Yeah. And just a, a, a final thought, Sully, you're in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. We're in the Southern Hemisphere. Do we need to dig nuclear bunkers now or do we need to worry about that further down the road? 
<laughs> Two things. Where, where, you know, when I moved to this place where I live now, when I went to announce myself, it's almost like in the African traditional sense, you say, this is who I am, I'm yeah. going to live here. They, one of the things they gave me, which I have right next to me, is a, is a box of pills in case there's a nuclear attack. Really? And when I got, what yeah. do the pills do? Do they kill well, you? We don't, you don't oh, take them immediately. Iodine, the gov- uh, yeah, the government will, also. the government will tell you when to use them. They're in my, in my drawer. This is a, this, this thing here. Yeah. So, they, so they say you don't open them until we tell you to open. It. When there's a nuclear attack, you're going to need that. This is what they, they gave they, me. <laughs> it, it contains, so, uh, yeah, it contains iodine because your thyroid tends to collect nuclear material faster than anything else, radioactive yeah. material. So you can you can dis- disperse that quicker with the iodine. It just clears correct. out. The so system. my last word would be, I really hope that at some point soon more South Africans wake up to the Ponzi scheme that has been the political environment we live in South mm. Africa. We, need, we, we can't change if we don't wake up first and realize that we've been taken for a ride. And, and Sully, you said when the government tells you you take those pills, if we've learned anything from the last two and a half years, let us not just listen to government when they tell us to do things. So far, there is not one government that I can think of that's done exactly what they should have done with this whole COVID thing. It's all been overreactions, the only possible exception being Sweden. Um, maybe we shouldn't be listening to them at all anymore. <laughs> Well, I mean, human societies are always led. I think the, I think the question is, to what extent is civil society uh, being given enough room, uh, space in the room to influence the decisions? Where I live now, people do. Uh, the democracy here is really run by the people. The people decide I, if we don't want... I promise you. I, don't know, I, went okay? and li- I went and went lined up for two vaccine shots, which it turns out now are probably going to be unnecessary even for travel. Um, so I, I, did, I did three. Waste of time. You did three. Yeah, Pums, you did, did two. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you see. I mean, if what if what if they were actually trying to uh, yeah. to take us out at the knees? Implants a chip on us. Yeah, what if that, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's yeah. not one or the other. I think that we need some kind of organization. Human societies throughout history have always there's some form of organization, rules of of play and all that. But it doesn't mean that you make those rules and go home and watch TV and not get involved in civil yeah, life, which is what we, we, this is the mistake we made in South Africa. We have to remain committed, interested, and we, may, we have to keep to keep speaking truth to power. Well, we've pr- given too much to the to the politicians. The final the too final much. word comes from one of our listeners, preach it, Sully. And Sully, thank you very much for your time, my friend. <laughs> Pumi, uh, we thank you very much. We will see I you love you guys. Week. You're, you're going to be handling the burning platform without me from next week, Pums, uh, for a week Is or two. Is it next week? Yes, I'm aware Ooh. from Wednesday, so it's all happening. Sully, okay. thanks again, sir. Nice to see you. Thank you very much. Pumi, don't crush people, please. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You've just had an hour with me. Were you crushed? Were you no. crushed? I was, exactly. I was, I was respectful. <laughs> <laughs> Come here oh, with facts, wow. then you'll be treated as such. Come, okay. here with a, Come here with a clown face. All right. Have a nice day. Thank Love you, everybody. You we will see okay. you tomorrow. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.